We've been um, working our way through the book of 1 John. And We've been looking at the book of 1 John, and, and today I, I want to I talk about John's big story, what John is saying <coughs> through uh, uh, his writings, not just his, his, the book of 1 John, but also the book of John, but a big story of fellowship with God, okay? Do you understand what we mean by the word fellowship? Deep and intimate sharing, closeness, relationship, but m- more than just we, we sometimes use the word relationship in a fairly, yeah, I've got a relationship with so-and-so, but this, the fellowship that's talking about is a deep, intimate relationship. But firstly, I'm going to go way back to the time God's people were in Egypt. And God brought them out. He saved them miraculously out of Egypt. Remember that? He brought them through the Red Sea, but before that there was these plagues and things like that. And the people uh, of, at that time, they saw the power of God and they saw the holiness of God and uh, they saw it through those plagues, lots of disasters and then through the death of the firstborn child. Fairly strong sign of the judgments of God. But God saved his people and he said he was taking them out into the desert to worship him have fellowship with him okay then they, they park next to this mountain about a million people on the plane and there's a can you picture a great mountain there and on that mountain is thunder earthquakes lightning and fire smoke and there was this rule there's a line there at the start of the mountain don't step over that line. Okay? Don't let your children step over. Don't let your dog go for a trot over that line because they'll die. Okay? Because God's holy. And then Moses uh, uh, was summoned by God up that mountain. He stepped over the line, but God had given him a dispensation, I guess. And God gave him the law, the Ten Commandments, and he came down. And God actually spoke these Ten Commandments, you know the Ten Commandments, to all the people so that every person heard God's voice in their ear. Flashes of lightning, burning fire, and God says, I'm just going to pull out one, tip one, thou shalt not lie. You hear it in your ears, you know the Holy God is speaking to you. What's the first thing you're thinking? Let's be honest. I've lied. (laughs) Holy God, law says don't lie. What's going to happen to me? In fact, as he read all of those laws, well, I would say this, it was terrifying. That would be terrifying. It was terrifying for the people. We know that because they said, Moses, tell God not to speak to us again. You go and speak to him. We don't want to speak to him. It's terrifying. But he was the God who saved them. Okay, 
Then God gave them instruction to build a tabernacle. A tabernacle is like a tent, but is the called it was to be called the tent of meeting. There the people would meet with God. So they built this place, and there the priests would sacrifice animals. Uh, the priests would firstly sacrifice an animal for themselves because they are a sinner. And then they'd sacrifice animals for the people so that then, having had their sins forgiven, because well, their sins were taken away because their sins were put on an animal and that animal died. That's how serious God in his holiness was. Still flashed of lightning. Okay? God is so holy that there has to be death for sin. So the animal dies in your place because you've broken the law. God's holiness demanded that. And then this tabernacle, well, it had, a, it had a curtain. Now, what happened first was God's presence moved from the mountain, that holy presence, and it came and lowered down on that tabernacle, no longer on top of the hill, but right in the center of the camp. A million people parked in a big circle. Right in the center is the place where God is. And they could see it all day long. There's some sort of glory cloud reaching to the heavens above that tent. All night, there's a pillar of fire. Imagine, I don't know if you can picture, a whirly wind of fire going to the sky. If you stepped out of your tent in the middle of the night to go to the toilet, as you do as you get older, you, could, you didn't need a nightlight. Okay? But you knew God was there. His holiness was always before the people. I don't know. It would, been, it would have been frightening, yes? And this is the holy God who spoke in his law. And there is one thing that separated you from this holy God in the end of the tabernacle, and that's this little curtain that you couldn't go behind because that's where God's presence was. He was there. His holiness was great. But you knew that because the animal was sacrificed, you could go to that place and instead of going fear, you could go and it would be the tent of meeting. The place where you could have fellowship with the living God. Okay? Do you understand that? It was the place of fellowship. But it, it's kind of, we can dumb it down a bit. It was a, uh, it was a shocking, it was terrifying God was holy, his law was right, and yet He, we saw death in our place. Every day you went there, if you went there, you see an animal sacrificed. You know that that had to die for you. Okay. Now I'm going to jump forward to John and 1 John, because those things we're told, those things that happened, the tabernacle, the sacrifice, the priest, the curtain, were a foreshadow. They looked forward to Jesus. They looked to him. And John tells us in John 1.14, the word, or Jesus, became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. Now actually, the Greek word there says, the word, or Jesus, became flesh and made his tabernacle amongst us. The place of meeting. Jesus became the place of meeting. We've seen his glory. The glory of the one and only who came from the Father, 
full of grace and truth. We have seen the glory of God in the man Jesus and he tabernacled amongst us. We've seen Jesus. He was at the center of the camp. He was, they saw him every day. And John starts his letter by saying, and we touched him. And, and, and uh, we saw the power of God through him. And then we saw him die on the cross. And we saw him become a sacrifice in our place for our law-breaking. He died, his blood was shed, that the, he was more than a lamb, the lamb just looked forward to him, and he died as a sacrifice for our law-breaking. And so, the law lost its condemnation over us, because you see, if someone's been punished for my, just I just picked that one sin of lying, Jesus has died for my sin of lying. That means that sin has been removed from me. The condemnation of the law is gone. God is no longer angry with me because Jesus bore the wrath or the anger of God against sin on the cross. So 1 John 2, 2 says that he is the one, Jesus is the one who turns aside God's wrath, taking away our sins, and not only ours, but also for sins of the whole world. And then Jesus rose from the dead and he ascended to the Father's right hand and there he stands at the right hand of the Father interceding for us, mediating for us. He is uh, the new priest. Now, you know when Jesus died, what happened to that curtain, don't you? It tore in two from top to bottom in the, in the temple, the, the permanent tabernacle. If you had been in there that day and you knew anything of Israel's history, I think if you saw that curtain tearing, you might run out screaming because you know that your death is imminent. Yeah? Except for Jesus had done something by taking your place in death. He And he had become this new high priest who stands at the right hand of the Father, speaking on our behalf, on, the behalf of his, on behalf of his death, in our place. So John said, if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defence, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. The one who was righteous, who died in our place to, to take our sin and give us his righteousness. So he is our priest, he's our mediator, he's our sacrifice, he's torn the curtain. In fact, Hebrews says his, his body was the curtain. He is our only hope. He is the only way that we can ever have fellowship, I'm going back to that now, with God the Father, through Jesus, through his death. John said in 1 John 1, 7, if we walk in the light, that's if we walk under Jesus, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us, or goes on purifying us, or continues to purify us from all sin and why do we have to have our sins forgiven well it's not just like God wants to forgive our sins our sins are forgiven so that we can have fellowship there is this wall it was a curtain but basically it was an unstoppable wall that divided us from God which was our disobedience and when Jesus tore that down it meant that we could go to him God the Father, through Jesus, the tent of meeting, the tabernacle. We could know him again. 
And so in 1 John 1, 3, he said, We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard about Jesus, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and that our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. Why, did we, why am I telling you about Jesus all the time, he says? So that you can have fellowship with God. Why do you want to have fellowship? Then, sorry, no, not wife, but the byproduct of fellowship with God is you'll have complete joy. There's lots of ways to find joy in life, isn't there? There's one way to find joy in life through Jesus Christ. The the, the world would tell us, the world around us, there are there's there's certain ways that you can find joy. You have the perfect relationship. You have the perfect riches perfect possessions, the perfect security, the perfect something, the perfect pleasures particularly. You have these pleasures, you'll have perfect joy. You have these experiences, these whatever it is. We, we, we sort of pointed in different directions. These will give you joy. These things will disappoint us. Or they'll bring far worse than us. Because 1 John 2.15 he's going to say, and we'll get to this in a few weeks' time, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Our life, our joy, does not come from this world. It comes from fellowship with the Father and the Son. And then, as you have fellowship with the Father and the Son through Jesus, you have fellowship with one another, the church. And we can live richly. We can have joyful relationships. Why can you have joyful relationships in the church? Because you can forgive one another because he's forgiven you. And you can love one another because he's loved you. And you can have fellowship with one another because you have fellowship with him. But it only happens through Jesus. Jesus said also in John's words, in John's gospel, I'm the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Only through Jesus. Now the devil is trying to constantly give us replacements for that joy, fakes, things that don't work. Only Jesus can bring the joy, but the devil brings things. Try this. This will give you even more of a kick. Jesus said in John 10, 10, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. It'll be good. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Okay. So what's my point today? Am I just going around in circles as usual? I've got three things I want to say to three different groups of people who possibly could be here. The first one is quite simply this. Are you someone who's lost your joy? Has life become hard, painful, frustrating, messy, there's something missing. Does it feel like you're just never where you should be? True joy comes with fellowship with God. It comes with fellowship with the Father and it comes through Jesus Christ. We've heard, I've said it, he's taken away all your sins. There is nothing between you and him. You can come back to him. Okay? So, as a first priority in your life, if you've lost your joy, seek your fellowship with God. Seek Him. Read His Word, pray, spend time with Him. 
do that as first priority. See what Jesus has done for you and that he has done it for a reason. The tent of meeting, the place of worship, come to him. Number two, if you're someone who's never had true joy, have you been searching for fullness of life all your life and you've just never found it? Have you never really had it? Then trust in Jesus today. Actually give your life into his hands because when you do that, you will find something amazing. It is, it's truly an amazing thing. We talk about Christian stuff all the time. We talk about the Bible. We talk about God. But I think, well, it was for me, and I know it is for, for many other people who are actually converted, that when they actually find out God's real, you nearly fall off your horse. You spend all this long think, time thinking God's a theory or a philosophy or a lot of words, but you can actually come to know the living God through Jesus Christ. You can actually be in a relationship with him. And that is actually a bit shocking. But he is the holy God who loves you and sent his son to die for you. You can come to him. He has forgiven you. And if you do come to him, you will be called his beloved child. So if you've never had that true joy, put your trust in Jesus. Confess your sins. He's faithful and just and he'll forgive you of all unrighteousness. And enjoy the best life that you can get ever. Fellowship with God. And the third thing is this. Maybe someone as a Christian where... Um, I know Jesus told this parable about the, 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 the plants growing up and the weeds are coming up and choking. Have, have you found there's things in your life that are replacing your joy? Are they, are they kind of taking you down a different direction? Here's something better than Jesus. Here's something that's got in the way. You've just kind of, just life become clouded with other stuff. You've tasted fellowship with the Father, but then you're distracted. Some quest, some hope for fulfilment. I just want to say this again. Put aside all attempts of joy apart from Jesus. Because when you know him, You've got everything. Don't replace gold with hay, with straw. Okay? Put aside the things of this world and live in the fellowship that he's made for you. And let the blood of Jesus purify you again so that you might have fullness of life. This world will offer us an endless barrage of things that are distractions from us and Jesus. Sometimes they come in the way of fears, false hopes, false joys, addictions, again, pleasurable stuff. Jesus is the answer. Come to fellowship with him. Enjoy him. Because that's what joy is, you see. You have joy, you enjoy. Enjoy Jesus. Enjoy God. Enjoy that relationship. Live in the rich and summer. Because that's fullness of life that can be found nowhere else. I'm going to pray. Father, I want to thank you for what you've done for us through Jesus. And Father, I want to thank you for the joy that you've given us of having fellowship, through having fellowship with you. And I pray for each one here today that we would just relax and enjoy you. Live in that fellowship, live in that relationship, live in that fullness of joy. And Father, that we wouldn't let anything else crowd in on it ever.
but that we would just go on loving you and living on in all the freedom that you'd meant from the beginning at the tent of meeting. And I pray this in Jesus' name.